Hello, welcome to today's episode, Juice in the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am Corbin Hiller. And uh, happy Thanksgiving, y'all. It is, uh, as you're listening to this, if you are and desperately trying to avoid your family, as we are, um, it, it, it is uh, Thanksgiving Day, Thursday, November 24th, coming 25th. We're coming at you on the 24th. Uh, with some baseball news, some football news, all uh, good and interesting stuff in the wide, wide world of sports. Uh, Corn Heller, are you ready to get into things? I suppose. Let's start with baseball drama. Let's start with some some very current baseball drama, and that is that in the middle of the night, last night, when we all thought we were safe. Steven Matz signed a four-year deal with the, I was about to say Arizona Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinals uh, for, for $44 million or an AAV of $11 million. And that irked Mets owner Steve Cohen uh, as he took to Twitter this AM to say, let me get the uh, exact quote here for you. Oh, shit. That's not it. Oh, Josh. Oh, no. Uh, As he said, fucking hell, Twitter. I'm not happy this morning. I've never seen such unprofessional behavior exhibited by a player's agent. I guess words and promises don't matter. So apparently (laughs) the story here is the Mets, uh, Stephen Matz had engaged with the Mets about a possible reunion. The Mets were receptive towards it. They see uh, Matt's and his agent apparently said that he wants to come to New York and handle some unfinished business with the team and then signed with the Cardinals anyway, seemingly just using uh, New York's interest in Matt's as a leverage point in negotiations with the Cardinals. And this tactic has apparently irked Mr. Cohen. Boy, howdy. You're a little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) You imagine being worth over a billion dollars and you're this much of a fucking bitch. Oh, God. Like, he just can't really wrap his head around why he's so bad at social media, right? Like, he he just doesn't understand that just having these tantrums on the Internet. Like, does he know this isn't Facebook? And that he's not just like a random person on there. I don't I don't think he realizes that people don't agree with him. I don't I don't think he realizes that people will be like, no, Steve, you're a bitch. Like I just said, I think he expects a a room full of um, subordinates who are all going to go. Yeah, Uncle Stevie, you're totally right, bro. And and just you know gargle that shaft. I, I I think the fact that he's wrong is a shock to him if he even goes through his Twitter to 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 see it. Because it's no, go ahead. No, you finish. You finish. Because this also this isn't new. It's not like the like Matts and every other free agent slash GM in the world is just trying to fuck with the Mets because they have some personal vendetta against the organization. Hey, some might, we don't know everything. Matt's played for the Mets. Maybe he does have a personal vendetta against them. 
But at the same time, this is common practice, especially for a big market team. That's what you do. You get big market teams involved any way you can to try to drive up the asking price. Why wouldn't you do that? The fact that Mets, that, that uh, Cohen fell for, that's his, that's his problem. Yeah. It's like, he doesn't really understand how it works. The process of offering an offer to a free agent, them saying, wow, I really like this offer. And then getting a better offer and going with it. That's kind of every negotiation ever. At some point, someone accepts one and refuses the other. If you really wanted him that bad, send him a better offer. And that's the thing that drives Make me him fucking an nuts. Offer he can't refuse. That's the thing that drives me fucking nuts. Because, dude, if this Stephen fucking Matz meant that much to you that you're butt hurt about him going to a different team, offer him more money in the first place. If you really want Stephen Matz on your team so bad that you feel as though. You can't go on without him or you will take to Twitter to air your frustrations publicly with the way this system operates. Offer him more money. This is the second time in a row that someone that they have extended an offer to has gone to a different team, not gone back to the Mets for a counter offer. And Cohen's been upset about it when the obvious answer is everyone thinks you're underpaying them, which means you probably are. And you should offer them more money. This man is worth more than most of the other owners combined. Offer more money and they will come play for you. Show me the money. Hey, that's ridiculous. It's a bad movie. It I really feel like is. we talked about it, like that it's a bad movie. And Every single line that people quote when you see it in the movie feels like it is wildly out of context. Like, uh, you had me at hello is such a weird fucking line when, she, when Renee Zellweger says it. That whole speech Tom Cruise gives before she says it is fucking bonkers, too. The whole movie's like, garbage. It's written for Oscars, right? Like, it's written for the Academy Awards, just like, we're going to oh, yeah. throw so many beautiful zingers that we can put in a trailer and send to the Academy. Oh, yes. We're going to have Cuba Gooding Jr. be like the walking stereotype of a 90s black man. That's right. He will sing and dance and be good at football, uh, just like every black man should be. It's fucking wild. Anyway, not the point. Uh so, like, in terms of this deal for Matt's, this seems like it's actually a great fit for him. We just saw how much success Jay Happ had in St. Louis after he got out of Minnesota because he is a lefty that gets a lot of soft contact, and St. Louis has the best defense in MLB. So the idea that Matt's could base basically just be a younger, slightly potentially better Jay Happ, that's a, that's a great fit for the next four years for St. Louis, if, if, you know, Matt's can stay healthy and the AAV is just wonderful. If you're the St. Louis organization, because that's the, you're not, you're not dishing out huge change. You know, Matt's probably wasn't going to get too, too much better than that. He might've been able to beat it elsewhere, but he might not have been able to be in the position to succeed as much as he will be in St. Louis, which could lead to larger contracts down the road, or even just better personal performance, which means a lot to a lot of athletes. So 
a great fit. It's just wild to see the the shitstorm that ensued. And like, we're gonna have to sit him down and like, not we, but like the colloquial we. Uh, someone is just gonna have to sit him down and be like, "You can't fucking do this. You can't keep doing this." Like, what are you gaining and what is the franchise gaining as a whole from your outbreaks? Like, do you genuinely think this is adding value? Like, put it in his terms. To say, hey, you're making the business less valuable. You're hurting the image of the team. Fuck off. Not just the image. I mean, if you start pissing off uh, agents and agencies... How do you expect to negotiate? Mm-hmm. Seriously, if you, I mean, he's lucky that this isn't a guy like Scott Boris who has a huge uh, sway within within the, the pool of MLB free agents. And this is just uh, a man at a different agency who also represents Major League Baseball players. I, but I mean, like, even then, if, if you start coming after agents who handle negotiating with your team, why do you think any of them are going to negotiate with you in good faith? Seriously, you can't spit on them and then expect them to be, treat you better because you spat on them. Just wild. You have to explain to a businessman of all people, a, a Wall Street businessman, where it feels like half of what these jackasses do is rack up thousand dollar lunches on fucking corporate credit cards. Yeah. Anyway, it's a. Uh, the cognitive dissonance is great. It is truly yes, it tremendous. Is. Um, and again, over like, man, if he had tweeted this about Noah Syndergaard, I think I would have gotten it a lot more. You know, there is obviously a, a, a tough separation there, too. But Noah at least felt a little bit more of a name. I don't, don't want to say face of the Mets because that's still Jacob DeGrom, but maybe mm-hmm. more a, a more name associate of the Mets, but Stephen fucking, he wasn't even a Met last year. He wasn't even with your fucking team. It just doesn't make any sense. And I bet that's you, a, I bet you very nice statistic. I bet you they're, uh, they're not going to pay Marcus Stroman either. And they'll be shocked when he gets not. $25 million a year from somebody else. Uh, of course not. Why would they? Why would they? And then we'll get angry he's, Twitter fingers all is, over again. He is a player of minority status that likes to speak out for whatever. And it's just, I, I can't see any, uh, oh, fucking forgot the word already. Can't see any scenario where they would pay him that money. And it's going to be so a, a fun ride. Yep. Uh, outside of that, the other only other big contract news that has uh, happened in the past week is Wander Franco. He signed a 12 year, one hundred eighty two million dollar contract um, with a actually. So hold on. Eleven year, one hundred eighty two million dollar contract with a 12th year option. Is that, I think it's is that a player option? No, club option for 2023. Um, yeah, so that will pay him up until 2032. 
in his age 31 season with the player option for 2033, which doesn't even sound like a real year. Fuck you. Uh, which would be his age 32 season, which means he could potentially it hit free agency after his age 31 or age 32 season. Um, but his age 33 season as it stands right now would be uh, as a re- unrestricted free agent. Now, this means that he is getting paid an average annual value of uh, $16.5 million per year. We don't have how it's broken out yet. One would assume that since it's the raise, they'll probably backload the contract pretty heavily so that they're not paying him very much up front, which will make him, um, which might incentivize them to trade him later on should they want to to avoid having to eat some of those costs. It's a pretty common thing to see. Like John Carlos Stanton's contract was like that. The Marlins ended up paying him very little. Most of his earning years were in his later seasons. Uh, So that way they could have him while he's cheap and then trade him when it gets expensive. One would think that the Rays would do something similar, whether they trade him or not, just in the offhand chance they want to, need to, whatever, trade him. Uh, And this this has been a controversial one. From all sides, from I, I've seen different takes on this from a whole range of people, uh, even the ones that I think usually tend to tend to agree with each other. I've seen different takes on this. So, Corbin, what what do you make of this contract? Um, I'm going to be very honest with you, Josh. I was digging through uh, Stathead on Pro Football Reference to go over a future discussion. I'm going to assume we're talking about Taysom Hill here. Wander Franco. Fuck me in the ass. Uh, Wander Franco was a 200 million a year for 12 years. It is an 11 year, $182 million contract with a 12th year player, sorry, 12th year club option. Um, And so the AAV on the 11 years is 16.5 million per year. That's a, that's a pretty good bargain. I mean, is that very similar to Ronald Acuna's? Uh, let me pull Seems up Acuna's. Like it is. I think Acuna's is worse, if I recall correctly. I remember being very shocked by the Acuna trade. I don't know if it's just because I almost expect it now or just because it is genuinely a better offer. Um, but I oh, feel God, like it's... no, this is so much worse. This is so, so much. I forgot oh, how bad this God. was. Oh, my God, this is so much worse. Uh, eight years, a hundred million AAV oh, of 12.5. Oh, that's really bad. Um, yeah, oh I mean, 18, five, I feel like that's a fine contract to sign a guy who has only played in, um, 70 games, you know, it's a 12 year contract essentially, unless he falters, which by no means so I think anyone expects him to. You have incredible financial security for the rest of your life, even if you don't pan out. For 99.99% of prospects, I would say 100% absolutely. If I was Wander Franco, I would think very hard about this contract. But I think at the end of the day, he's shown to be you know, on the field to be such a significantly better prospect than anything else we've seen. Like 
Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was the most hyped prospect I've seen coming into baseball since I started following it. That's not saying much because it was literally like two years ago, but he was basically a god who could walk on water before he even took his first at bat and struggled mightily for, uh, you know, two full seasons, it feels like, a season and a half. And Wander Franco came in and, and almost won rookie of the year in 70 games. Not almost, but close enough to steal a significant portion of the vote. Ah, almost third place. Games. Third place, but I feel like there's a pretty big gap. Still. Regardless, he had three and a half war in 70 games as a rookie. The first 70 games of his career. He had a home run in his first game. I want to bet with Josh about that. I think he could have held out for an incredible amount of money. Even I don't think he would have even gotten to arbitration at all, but I think he could have really held out to the end of next season, the next off season, and signed a contract at least in the twenties. Now, it's been said mostly by people who think that this is a fair contract. That yes, two hundred million dollars, there are one hundred eighty-five million at least, is life-altering money. And it is as generational wealth understood and continuing your career is a gamble that is also very well understood. I'm not sure that the risk reward lines up on this though. And I'm not sure that this is also a good deal for the labor movement of major league baseball players. I mean, there is a sincere chance that is beyond hypothetical. It's, it's, it's a real world possibility that Wander Franco is one of the top three shortstops in all of baseball in the next three seasons. And that would be a wild underpay for him to be making less than $17 million. We're talking about Carlos Correa getting paid $30 million a season right now, $30 million a year. That would be almost double what Wander Franco would be making for 11 years. And between this and the Acuna signing, and I'm pretty sure the Ozzy Albies contract is a sin as well. We're yeah, seeing a, honestly, I think Ozzy Albies was worse. I think Ozzy Albies was was like under a hundred mil. Hold on, we said it. We're talking about it. Let me find it. Um. Oh my god, I forgot it was this bad. Oh my god. Oh my god. Seven years, thirty-five. Holy fuck. Oh, my God. I forgot it was that bad. Oh, my God. I forgot it was that bad. Yeah, it's coming back to me. I remember being really mad at this one. Holy shit. So, yeah. Yeah. Franco did better than those two. But, I mean, like, it's not. First off, that's not saying much at all. Oh, my God. We honestly shouldn't be comparing those. He's making three times as much as Ozzy Oh, my God. And but like, and should we be comparing him to the Fernando Tatis contract? Uh, let's let me remind myself of that contract detail. Let's so see. he signed through 2034, his age 35 season, so 12 years, uh, into the future 13, 13 years. I don't have total numbers here, but he'll be making five and a half, seven and a half, eleven and a half. 20 and a half for two years, 25 and a half for 
It's stepping yeah, up until he reaches I've $36 got it. million it's, dollars a year. Yeah, and- it's 14 years, $340 million, uh, average annual salary of 24.3. Right. Fernando Tatis is an MVP front runner, was coming into the season, is now, was, you know, by the time he broke out, he broke out. Um, I mean, in 130 games, roughly le- 10 games less than double. Yes. What Wander Franco's did this season. I promise you I'll get through these sentences. I'm sorry. Had six and a half war. Franco had what? Three and a half. Yep. You double Wander Franco's sample size from this half season. And he's putting up more war than Fernando Tatis, who just signed a $360 million contract. Right. I mean, because you got to think, if Franco can do 75, 80% of what Tatis can do on offense and then actually be a decent, if not really, really good defender, I mean, he's one of the, he's, he's Carlos Correa. Easy. Yeah. Easy. And look how great Correa's been. Yeah. I'd argue he's essentially Carlos Correa now with a ceiling of name any shortstop you want. And it's it's tough to see that happen at, at 16.5 because it's going to be a leverage talking point. In, in five years, just five years, this is an 11-year contract, five years, 2026, there's going to be some guy trying to get paid more money to play shortstop. Let's say, let's assume Wander Franco is a six war player because why not? He certainly seems to be on that track right now and he'll be making 16, five and you're going to have to justify why you're worth more than that. And prospects coming up now are going to have to justify why they're worth more. This is one of the most highly touted prospects in all of MLB who's getting paid. I know. Now look, I understand it's buying out some of his arbiters. I totally get that. It's buying out all of his arbiters. He does not have to go through arbitration. And if he did go through arbitration, he would not make very much money. Uh, for reference, Aaron judge has only been through arbitration. And so far in his six years, uh, no, one of those, actually, his um, signing bonus from when he got drafted. So in his five seasons, uh, he has been paid $15 million. So really not much money. Uh, Franco would make that in, in one year. So if it makes you feel better to look at this as a 10-year, $160 million contract, you can do that too. It doesn't change much. It really doesn't. And... I understand. Again, this is great for Franco. The same way, hey, $35 million is also a fuck ton of money. $35 million invested right plus endorsements. That's a that's a lot of money. You can retire comfortably on that in uh, over the course of your lifetime. Again, wisely managed with plus endorsements. Plus anything else that he get that uh, Albies can manage to do thirty five million dollars. Who fuck a lot of money? Oh, yeah. We're talking about sports. All of it's a lot of money. The 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 lowest paycheck 
the lowest salary player on your team still gets paid like $650,000 a year. It's all a lot of money. Saying it's a lot of money is fucking pointless. None of these guys at the major league level are getting paid normal people wages. None of them. No one's coming up getting paid 75K a year. It's not happening. They're all getting paid wild amounts of money. And we have talked for years about how the Rays as an organization don't pay players and should be paying them more. And this does not help that. It's the biggest contract they've ever given out. I understand. It's a high AAV for them. I understand. Fuck for them. Fuck for them. That's Mm -hmm. bullshit. For them does not help advance a labor movement for these players, especially the young guys. So it's a lot of money. I get it's a lot of money. It also doesn't serve these young stars very well by showing that they can trade the security, the the insecurity. Right. Because really what really what I think these deals have boiled down to recently, especially the ones that have been recently, is we'll buy out your arb years in exchange for not paying you very much after your arb years. Which is really just taking advantage of the fact that MLB owners know the arb years are bullshit and they know that they're getting away with fucking murder on those things. And so, yeah, I know it exists today and we, I can't just snap my fingers and make them go away. And, you know, there's a certain security that comes with being able to buy them out, but it, it's just them using their own system to their advantage again. And if you're not twisting the knife on them to try to get more money out of them, then what the fuck are we doing? And I don't even, I don't even fault Franco that much. He's fucking 20, but his agent or somebody has got to be in his corner. Again, this is not as bad as the Albies and the Acuna contracts, but, it's, it's tough to look at a guy that's not going to hit free agency till his 30s when he came up at fucking 20. Right. It's just, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, I can see why you signed the contract. I can see why you would look at that and think, man, this is a great deal. But it's more than just you. It's, you know, every single player in the organization, in the players union, and... I don't know. Uh, I get that there's a significant disparity between growing up in the U.S. and being so used to these companies and organizations just fucking everyone over at every turn. We're just we're grew we we were grown in that environment. I just I don't know. I I don't know if I would sign that contract. I don't think I would. Yeah, it's I I want to see more Alex Rodriguez style players in terms of just raking in money. Not in terms of being like an asshole. Cheaters. Yeah, pick pick every adjective. A-Rod sucks. <laughs> but like you look at A-Rod and granted a lot of these are shorter contracts, but but still, I mean, you look at so 94, he signs a three-year deal with the Mariners for $1.3 million. It's an entry-level contract. All right, whatever. 97 rolls around. Four-year, $10.7 million contract. It's 2.6 a year. And 97, you know, we're talking, actually, hold on, inflation calculation time. How much 
how much do you think inflation's happened? Like, how how much do you think that a uh, ten point seven is worth today? Uh, fifteen. Nineteen ninety-seven to today. Eighteen uh, four. Okay. So that's great. <laughs> Yeah. God damn. Yeah. So a rod signs a four year, essentially $18 million contract. Then after that ends, he's with the Texas Rangers. He signs a 10 year, $252 million contract, which means over the course of that contract signed for a shorter term, 20 years ago at the same position, a rod makes more money, not adjusted for inflation than Wander Franco makes in this contract, which will also decrease in value due to inflation over time. Fuck that so much. And when A-Rod signed that contract, he was 25. Now, granted, that ended the contract ended up, there was some chicanery with the contracts because... He then went to the Yankees in 05 and signed a different, even bigger fucking contract, a 10-year, $275 million contract. But regardless, I, I mean, God damn. And it, it, it's, again, it's the same position. And I know that Franco hasn't shown that he is what A-Rod was. But the point is, is that he'll never get the opportunity to get that contract. Right. He's never going to get it. And if we keep encouraging or at least defending players who are buying out their beers in order to have more stability, we're never going to be able to see the dollar share that they receive grow because they're going to take, they're going to settle for smaller deals. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't benefit anybody. Like, like the team will argue night and day like, Oh, We'll give you that 12 years of guarantee. We'll, we'll guarantee 12 years, even if you fucking get hurt, even if you suck. Well, I guess getting hurt doesn't really matter in baseball. Right. But no matter what, we'll make sure you're getting this money for 12 years. That's more than half of your life that you've had already. Oh, but because we're going to give it to you for so long, we're just going to have to lower the average bet. Like, yearly number but don't worry it's still the same size contract you would have it's like well yeah it's the same size contract that's now preventing you from gaining future earnings it, it's nothing but a hedge for them ultra cannery and again yeah, absolutely it's big time money for everybody everybody would take 185 million dollars standing up like everybody takes that shit I understand it is a world changing amount of money that does not matter when we're talking about a larger scale wage and labor discussion. Doesn't matter. If all the players are getting paid a billion dollars, I'd be sitting here arguing that they should be getting paid too. Like it does. It's a, it's about scale. It's not about hard figures, but anyway, Hmm. anyway so it'll be interesting to see the details of that after it kind of shakes out we don't really have anything on it at the moment outside of the uh, term total value there's some incentives in there that i don't have yet 
Uh, and again, that team option for the, the 12th year, which just doesn't even feel like it's a real thing. But again, every year post 2021 sounds fake. 2022, please. Yeah. Good luck with that. Time, time stopped. We're just still in a fever dream. Yeah. This is a Jacob's Ladder situation. Uh, I do not understand that reference. There was another goofy ass contract that was signed over the week, and that was Taysom Hill, uh, who clearly has uh, naked pictures of some weird orgy between Saints ownership and Sean Payton. It's the only way like I, I mean, the owner of the Saints must be like dropping a brick in Sean Payton's mouth in some photo that Taysom, Taysom Hill has uh, privilege to because otherwise I. I don't I don't understand what the fuck is happening here. Um Taysom Hill has proof that Sean Payton was the one jerking off Robert Kraft in that massage parlor. Uh Gail Benson, by the way. Gail Marie Lejoani Bird Benson is the the owner of the Saints, by the way. Um because fuck, man, what, uh, this man. is this is, yeah, it's a very, very long name. Try having less fucking names, Gail. Uh, this contract is just fucking wild. It, it's four years, $40 million. 10.1 of which were guaranteed at signing. 21.5 of which are t- fully guaranteed. Uh, an AAV of $10 million per year. And that puts him locked up until 2026 uh, after his age tw- 35 season. And goddamn, the career earnings of Taysom Hill up to this point is $34.8 million. For what? I defy anybody to tell me a single stat of Taysom Hill's that defends this. It's I'm silent, not because I wasn't paying attention or have nothing to say, but because there's literally nothing that you could find. Um, there's a lot we can really dive into this with. I feel like this is going to spark a conversation, so I'm just going to sh- rush straight to it. You're Let familiar it with a pro- approximate value. Yes, correct. That is that is pro football references version of war for football. Yes. In five seasons in the NFL, Taysom Hill has played in 60 games, of which he's started 21, a season and a half, essentially. Season and a, a third. Oh, my God. That's so fucking bad. Do you want to guess what his career average value is? All right. So... Average value can get a lot higher than war usually can. You can see some quarterbacks who will have an average value into the tens. It's, it's not uncommon. And one would say after five years, you've accumulated something. So let's say that he's been an average player and gotten three a year. So I'll say 15. Uh, you are very close. 13. 
I thought I was being 15. mean. Yeah, no. Last year, Tom Brady had 15. <laughs> Which, to be fair, it's Tom Brady. He had a, you know, sure, sure but still, 15 can be done in one year is the point. Yes. Um, so then I looked up, you know, the all-time leaders. You know, that's just one random year. Do you know what Tom Brady has in his career? Oh, if he put up 15 just last year, he's got 20 seasons yeah. under his belt. 500. 300, but I appreciate a lot of that, you know, enthusiasm. He's the I, all-time I, leader. I hated him. I hate him, and I hated I didn't want to guess the under and be disappointed. Just, you know, the next closest is Aaron Rodgers with 200. So, I mean, that's still Brady good. Essentially 10 times what Taysom Hill has had. But regardless, name a quarterback that you think would have around 21 games started. In their career? We'll, we'll give the other 40 games. Uh, Lamar We're Jackson. going to package that up. Lamar Jackson. He did win an MVP. Um, I'll give him that. Led the NFL in approximate value uh, that season. Uh, those are games. That's not going to be helpful for me. It's got to be more than 21, um, though. In his rookie year, where he started seven games, he had eight. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... uh, last year, uh, he had, uh, in what was considered a, a down year for him, only passed for 2,700 yards, started in 15 games. Not a great season. Uh, 26 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Like, that's not a great season. He had 18 uh, and his, his MVP season, he had 25. Uh, oh, fuck you. Can, can you give me a quarterback roughly that age? Who's like not considered a great quarterback. Sam Darnold. I already looked up Sam Darnold. Uh, it's not as exciting because if we're being honest, I, I wanted Sam Darnold to be a really good comparison. Um, but unfortunately in his, Oh my God. 47 starts. Holy, it's been that. Ma- oh my God. I guess it has been a while. Oh, I guess, I guess we have to take out this season. So in 38 starts, he has 17 more. <sighs> That's really bad. That might That's be bad. another discussion later on. Um, That's bad. I'm going to look up Baker. I feel like that's just. Uh, what about that guy who's starting for the 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 Panthers right now? PJ, whatever, whatever. He has nowhere near that many games played. Um, I don't know if he has any before this season. Who was the rookie quarterback last season? Justin Herbert. What about Justin Herbert? That's a very good call. I'm on Baker Mayfield, so I'm just going to look uh, in the three seasons that he has finished: uh, 10, 11, and 14. Oh my god. So let's, what was it, Justin Herbert? I spelled Herbert wrong. Oh, God, I don't know how to spell Herbert. And I spelled oh, Justin? It, it, was, it was not the mistake I thought it was. I just can't read. Um, so in 15 games last year, rookie Justin Herbert had 13 A- AB. Oh, my God. <laughs> So Justin Herbert has provided all the value of Taysom Hill's entire career yeah. in one season. Yeah. 
So Taysom Hill just signed a, a $40 million guaranteed contract that can be worth up to $95 million over, what was it, four years? Uh, I think, yeah, four years. Do you want to take a guess at where his uh, weighted career approximate value falls? Since, since 1960. So that's cutting, you know, 40 years out of players. I have no idea. I, I, I don't even know. I couldn't even guess. Um, 6,955th. That was the stat that jumped out at me at the start of this that just blew my fucking mind. Oh, my God. Uh, and, you know, I, I think we had fun with the idea of Taysom Hill when he first started being a thing in New Orleans and, you know, was was doing some quarterback things and doing some wide receiver things. Uh, because we had gotten very accustomed to the idea of utility player in baseball who was also good at doing all of the utility. You know, Ben Zobrist was a thing that people were starting a conversation about. And now we've extended that conversation to guys like Chris Taylor, who, you know, are still playing where Zobrist is retired. And we looked at Taysom Hill and was like, maybe this is the NFL's version of Ben Zobrist. Zobrist, who won a couple of World Series, is. is um, was a World Series MVP, ALCS MVP, was an MVP of one of the series. And the problem with it is that it's not a linear comparison, and it's led to Taysom Hill being vastly overcompensated for providing whatever value he provides that us fans just can't see. And to look at the numbers of it just really quick, so let's look at Taysom Hill, the passer, shall we? Well, he can play quarterback. Um, he, excluding 2020, he has attempted a whopping 21 passes in his entire career. In 2020, Just he attempted so fucking ridiculous, fucking stupid. In 2020, he attempted 121. That's all well and good. I understand that is more than 21. For reference, Jameis Winston in seven games this season has attempted 161 and he's been splitting time with Trevor Simeon who in four games this season has attempted 144. So even that season of attempting 121 in 2020 really is not very impressive in those pass attempts. He's completed 101 of them. So that's a pretty decent completion percent of 71.1. Not earth shattering. People do it. Total yards, 1,103, four touchdowns, four interceptions. That's not great. A quarterback rating of 91.4, which, cool. This is a very, uh, the the selection bias of this is, is, is very strong because they're probably not drawing up overly complicated plays from him and he doesn't have a very large sample size to pull from, but sure, go off. And go we can too. see it based on his intended air yards per pass attempt. Uh, that they're just kind of like letting him do goofy plays and letting that letting the confusion do a lot of the work for him. If we look at his 2018 campaign, seven attempts with an intended air yards per pass attempt of 18 yards, 2019, six pass attempts, intended air yards per pass attempt of 15.7. And so far in 2021, intended air yards of 10.8. In 2020, it was seven. So, 
when you actually have a decent enough sample size of pass attempts, that number obviously drops because you're not just letting him do goofy plays that will throw people off. He has to actually kind of throw the ball. I just. God, like the more you dig, like the deeper you dig, the worse it gets. And boy, it's not good to start off. Oh, you want to hear worse? Let's talk, if we can, about his receiving stats. I'm going to pull up Odell Beckham Jr. as a comp and use only his Cleveland stats, which I think we all agreed were less than good. So I haven't looked at this, by the way. I'm just going to guess. So in 2017, (laughs) wait, what position did he play in 2017? He has no receiving rushing yards at all. Who? And had and had uh, fucking seven pass attempts. I, was, I don't know what the fuck Taysom Hill did in 2017. Apparently, he just existed. Uh, 2018, he was targeted seven times for three receptions. That is a yards per reception of, uh, for four yards, a yards per reception of 1.3, a long of five, a cut percent of 42.9. Not great. 2019, a much bigger year for him, a breakout season. He had 22 targets in that year for 234 yards, six touchdowns, a catch percent of 86.4. Hey, not bad. 2020, he got targeted 12 times. Oh, I thought he was so much more active than this. This is insane. Um, For 98 yards in a season. 66.7 uh, catch percent. And in 2020, six targets, f- fucking 52 yards, 66.7 uh, catch percent. for So his career as a receiver, career receiving, 47 targets, 34 receptions, 388 yards, and a catch percent of 72.3. Fuck you. Do these numbers make it better or worse? Worse. Like, is it is it worse that he doesn't play or is it better? It's like, oh, his career numbers look like trash because he's never played. I think it's still definitely worse. So in Odell's, he doesn't do anything for that team. That's what I'm trying to say. So his career yards is 388 yards, which beats Odell's injury plagues 2017 campaign where he was targeted 41 times for 302 yards, which is damn near oh, uh, Taysom Hill's career stat line. Uh, and it's 300. Huh? I need you to do some math. Yeah. Of the amount of money Taysom Hill has earned per yard compared with literally any other player. All right, well, case Taysom Hill's career let's, earnings. Let's are, do uh, Mike Thomas because he's his teammate. Uh, sure thing. Let me get. Or Jameis Winston because he's a quarterback. I don't fucking care. Do whatever you want. I'm just saying this is ridiculous. Give me some numbers to, like, add or something. Uh, All right, we'll do, we'll do Michael Thomas. Um, so real quick, so Taysom Hill has – uh, earned $334.829 million so far in his career. 
Uh, let's go with total scrimmage yards to include his rushing stats. So including his rushing stats, he has 1,301 yards over the course of five fucking seasons. That is $26,000 per yard. $26,770.95 per yard in his career. You know what? Let's just see. Let's just add in. Let's just add in his passing yards, too, because why not? It can't be that much worse. Passing yards, another eleven hundred and three passing yards, which means every yard he has accomplished on the ground, in the air and as the passer, every single yard that has been attributed to him on offense, each yard has been worth fourteen thousand four hundred eighty seven dollars. Per fucking yard. All right, let's do Mike Thomas so we know exactly how upset to be. I'm already I'm already upset about that. That's fucking stupid as shit. God damn. Okay, so let's see. Michael Thomas. Uh well, actually, I'm curious to see what his career earnings are. I have no idea what they would be. $49,557,000. He has only earned more than fifth more than more fifteen million dollars more than Taysom Hill in his career. That's fucking sad. Um, wow. I'm, I'm like upset for Michael Thomas right now. Uh, so anyway, $49 million, 49.5. He has total scrimmage yards of 5,942, which means every yard he has receiving and the negative eight yards he has from rushing 5,900. Yes. He has 5,942 total yards from scrimmage. In his career? In his career, yeah. In his uh, five seasons. I don't believe you. I refuse to believe you. Do you think it's too high or too low? 1,500 total yards? No, 5,900. Oh, fuck off. Okay, yeah. That's why we are confused here, people. So he is once again, he's earned low. Really? He's only played in five seasons. I know, but like including this one where he only has 439 yards so far. I'm just I'm honestly, I forgot he started playing. Um, But okay. anyway, anyway, forty nine million five hundred fifty seven thousand dollars for career earnings, five thousand nine hundred forty two career yards from scrimmage. That is $8,340 per yard or about half of what Taysom Hill gets paid per yard. About fucking half. And Michael Thomas is a three-time Pro Bowl, two-time All-Pro, and the 2019 AP Offensive Player of the Year. And Taysom Hill has not a single award hanging over his mantle place from the NFL. He d- he should get an award for the smartest player negotiator of all time because he is a goddamn thief. I know that it's fucking nuts. Uh, the only thing I didn't want to, I didn't mention, which I'll, I'll do right now because it is let's, his best category real quick let's, is Taysom Hill's rushing yards um, is in 2018 
He had 196 on uh, 37 attempts. He, in 2019, 156 on 27 attempts. 2020, 457 on 87 attempts. And 2021, he had 104 yards and 20 attempts. It's 913 yards and 171 attempts over the course of five seasons, which is also not fucking great. So anyway, you were saying. Um, if you want to vamp for like 10 total seconds, uh, and by 10 total seconds, I mean like a minute or two because. Uh, I also see him ahead. listed here with defense and fumble stats, but it seems like it's more so him defending his own um, teammates, like, you know, during ter- turnovers. Uh, in 2020, he had 10 fumbles. But fum- number of times both fumbled, both lost and recovered by own team. Okay. So he fumbled, he fumbled 10 times in 2020. Wait, that's fucking wild. I can't accept that. We're, we need some. Wait, really? Wait, whoa, that's tremendous. Uh, fuck yeah. He fumbled 10 times in 2020. Holy shit. I can't help your average value, right? Um, no, it can't. He also has uh, 14 combined tackles and four solo, sorry, 10 solo tackles and four assisted tackles, um, which again, I'm assuming are all on offense going the other way since, yeah, he has zero defensive snaps. Um, he's at a pretty even 50-50 split in snaps between offense and special teams. But the thing is, special teams isn't, equal in value to offense. Uh, I know it's not me trying to shit on special teams because obviously special teams can win and lose you games, but you're not going to pay the same amount. Special teams isn't on the field as much as your offense is. And they don't contribute in as significant a way as your offense does or your defense for that matter, just using offense because Taysom Hill plays on offense too. And so to pay equal rate even if we divided his career earnings in half and tried to split them up equitably between the two it still wouldn't make any fucking sense because special teams isn't worth that there's a reason you don't draft kickers often anyway and punters ever and your special teams is usually full of guys that you want to get some playing time but uh uh, would otherwise maybe be on practice squads with the exception of a few steady hands and good blockers like it's Man, man, it's fucking wild. Um, 82, 3, 8, 1, plus 1,094, plus number, number, number. 60, math pod, I math pod. That'd be higher. 83,504. That is... Tom Brady's all-time passing yards plus receiving yards plus rushing yards. Uh, Tom Brady in his career has made 315. Shit, what was that number I just said? Can't help you. Oh, I'm so fucking stupid. Oh, man. Um, fuck it, whatever. Um, <laughs> I copied and pasted the wrong thing. It just, it's what it is. All right. We're just going to do career passing yards because it was like a minuscule amount. I'll add in a thousand because that was it. Uh, divided by 
that plus that I am so bad at doing fucking anything. Whew. All right. What do you think Tom Brady's career all-time earnings per yard comes out to? He took a series of team-friendly contracts because his wife is more valuable than him, and um, he wanted to win with the Patriots a bunch. So this is probably going to be pretty low. It's It's got to be lower than Michael Thomas's as a, as a reference point, his eight. 1,500 or whatever I said it was. So sure. I'll say $6,000 per yard. 3,700. Oh my God. 3,700. Taysom Hill makes over $13,000. Over 14,000. Really? Yeah, per yard. You cheated him. Motherfucker. And Tom Brady makes just over three and a half. And what's wild about this shit to me, too, is that when we when we saw the first contract come out for Taysom Hill, you might have said to yourself, all right, well, clearly they're giving him this contract because they see him becoming more involved in the game in some way. All right. He'll take over more responsibility. Uh, he'll have a more clearly defined role or more clearly defined avenues for where he will be playing. And no. No, he no, we don't. We, 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 we don't have that at all. Um, everything is completely unclear. And fuck, I don't. I, I don't know where he goes from here either, because, yeah, he had more volume of stats in 2020. So maybe you'd say to yourself, oh, all right, well, let's see what the Saints do next year. Maybe he scales up his involvement. No, no, he hasn't. It's scaled back. It's, it's he's going to have a smaller year this year. Than he did in twenty nine. Than he did in twenty twenty, and it also makes these incentives. And I, I'd love to breeze through them very, very briefly because they're hilarious. Um, look, just bizarre. Like he'll never reach them. Like like Corwin said, there's like fifty million dollars of incentives here. So, real quick, his twenty twenty one incentives because they're broken out by a year. Um, if he plays seventy percent of a team's snaps. And in 11 team wins, he gets $150,000. If he gets 3,250 passing yards, he gets $150,000. That one's not happening. Uh, 90 plus passer rating with a minimum of 224 attempts, $150,000. That's not happening. 25 passing touchdowns, $150,000. That's not happening. 65% completion percent on a minimum of 224 attempts. These are all, they got $150,000, not happening. 600 rushing yards, $150,000, not happening. 50 snaps and a Super Bowl appearance, $450,000. Offensive player of the year or MVP, $250,000. 2022 through 2025, 3,250 passing yards, $500,000. 4,000 passing yards, another $500,000. A 90-plus passer rating with a minimum of 224 attempts, $500,000. 25-plus passing touchdowns, $750,000, 30 passing touchdowns or more, $1.25 million, 65% completion percent, minimum of 224 attempts, $1 million, and there's escalators that are cumulative. Incentives are only available if 224, yeah, whatever. Uh, There's regular season snap counts, 
70% of snaps and 11 team wins, $750,000, 70% snaps, 12 team wins, a million dollars, 70% snaps, 13 wins, $1.25 million, 600 rushing guards, $500,000, Pro Bowl, $500,000, but that one's stupid. Conference championship, if he plays 50% snaps, 10 pass attempts, and 10 passing yards. What? Uh, $750,000. And there's another one that says if he does all the same things and the team wins, he gets another another $750,000. And in the Super Bowl... It's probably if they win the Super Bowl. No, that was conference championship. This is the Super Bowl. 50% of snaps and 10 pass attempts and 10 passing yards, a million dollars, all that, and a team win, $1.5 million on top. That's all the incentives. He will never hit these. I guess it's one of those things where it's like, all right, the Saints look at it as, okay, if he balls out, he gets just paid like an actual quarterback we can throw all of this shit in there because we know he's never going to hit it and gain so much bargaining back because if he's our starting quarterback and getting paid $10 million a year, that's a fucking bargain. I just, I just don't know why you would even give him the option. And that's what I'm trying to get at is like, all right. So if, yeah, if you play him, as your everyday quarterback and he does these things, chances are you're still getting him out of steel, but you're not playing him as your everyday quarterback. So what's the fucking point of pretending like, like what are, what, what are you, what are you getting at? What are you getting from doing this? You're not going to, he's, he's, he's 31. You didn't make him your starting quarterback. You're going to make him your starting quarterback at age 32. That's going to be your, your, your near term to midterm solution. 32 year old Taysom Hill who has never done shit. Also, you have Jameis Winston uh, with with options through 2023. Why would you go with Taysom Hill? Yeah. Like, I don't... At the end of the day, this is a bad contract. I still cannot see why they would give him any contract. Like, if you want to sign a... To a backup QB deal, sure. If you want to sign him to a low-level starting tight end deal, sure. You want to sign him as a star special teams player deal, sure. You want to add all of those things together, sure. That might be what he's making now if he's just getting paid for three different positions that expect they expect him to all play. And none of it makes you know sense. If he, if he if he's not starting and he's the team's backup QB and he's playing every special down da- special, special teams team. down, yeah. And he's you know filling in gadget plays at you know running back, fullback, tight end, you know, whatever, you know, three times a game, four times a game. Sure, you're basically paying a number five receiver. Okay. Sure. Your number four receiver is Taysom Hill. He could also fill in as your backup quarterback and starter. God forbid something happens to the rest of your players. Okay. That's fine. 
I don't know what that contract would look like. I can't say I've ever really looked at a contract for a player like that. Maybe it is this, and maybe it is the low side of this, and all the incentives are so out of reach that it doesn't matter. Maybe this is a perfectly adequate deal, $10 million a year for a guy like that. But holy fuck, is he even that guy? Is he worth it? Is he really that much better than... I don't know. Maybe it's the uh, maybe it's the Shohei Otani thing where it's like he just takes up, he opens up a roster spot, so we're fine doing it. I I just he's so polarizing of a player. I just want to be upset as possible. I am I am upset. It ruins my day. Um, I mean, good on him for getting the money, I guess, but also eat a dick. Uh, all right, let's we've been going for a while. I want to close. On one other thought, um, the Patriots are in the first place spot in the AFC East. Now, this is upsetting to AFC East fans everywhere. It's also confounding because, yeah, they, they've had a pretty they've had a, a, a rather good season. I don't want to take it all away from them. Uh, you know, they have earned their seven and four record. That's for sure. But what's wild is that the Bills are barely above 500 and have taken the colossal step back from where they were last season. And, you know, we've talked in the past about the uh, teams like the Steelers playing down to their opponents. I've never seen a team play down to their opponents like this Bills team has. Never. Like, if we look at the page... to the Steelers. The the stars of playing down to their level. If we look at the Patriots' wins and losses... The Patriots' wins have come against mostly bad teams, which is fair. You need to win those games. They count all the same. So the Patriots' wins are against the Jets twice, against the Houston Texans, against uh, the Chargers, who have been mixed this season, so that, that's a tougher game, the Panthers, who have not played well down the stretch, the Browns, which they curb stomped that fucking team, but has, has been a mixed up and down season. So you earned that one. And the Falcons, who have been bad. Their losses have been against the Bucks and the Saints, who have you know been good and mixed, the Cowboys, who have been phenomenal, and the Dolphins, which is have not been good, but you're allowed to lose to one here and there. If we look at the Bills, they lost to the Steelers week one. And maybe look at that and say to yourself, hey, well, we don't know what the Steelers are yet. Maybe they're good. Uh, no, they're not. And great defense, you know, Big Ben is not great, but he's passable. All right, new offensive line, first round pick running back. That could be a good team. Right. They're not, but you know, could could have been. Then they 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 beat up on on some teams that they should. They beat the Dolphins, they beat Washington, they beat the Texans, they beat the Chiefs in what was a a big game for them. Then they lose to the Titans. All right, you know, the Titans are good beat the Dolphins, lose to the Jaguars, who have been awful this season, beat up on the and Jets. it was a disgusting game to begin with. It's not like the Jags played out of their minds. No, Getting no. Back. It was uh, torture, I think, is, is, is the, the best word for it. And then they come out against the 5-5 five and five Colts and lose to a team that's 500 and get fucking destroyed as they do it. I mean, the Colts made the Bills look like the Jets when they played the Bills. It was embarrassing. And 
you know, teams are allowed to have some shitty games. But as as of right now, I mean, the Bills are, are, are positioned to not fare super duper well down the stretch if this is the pace at which they're playing. You can't be barely above 500 and expect to win your division outside of the NFC East. And it's wild that they're not in that top spot right now because they've blown it to a couple three out of four of the losses are to teams that are below or, or at 500. Just a bad look. Yeah. I just, I can't say after week one, I've watched a single Buffalo bills game. I just, I haven't cared one iota, but based off of just that one game, that's an ugly team. It's a really ugly team. Um, yeah, I guess that's not the best way to even word that, but my goodness, that doesn't make them an enjoy. Like Josh Allen was the favorite to win MVP for the vast majority of this season. What has he done to really deserve that? Like, MVP has to always be on a winning team. That's just what we've come to learn to accept. Where's that with this team? I I don't know. And it and it seems like they've just been, you know, wavering between being weirdly bad on different sides of the ball every night. And uh, you know, I don't watch very many Bills games either, but it, it's just bizarre to see a team. You know, like to see the Chiefs take maybe a minor step back and, and struggle a little bit after the run of success that they've had is understandable. You get more film, you get a better understanding of coaching styles, you get a better understanding of how versatile their players can be. And eventually it, it takes a little while for that to wear. And then you regroup, you scheme around it, and you try to pick up the pieces afterwards. But the, the Chiefs have had a run of success of, of several years the Bills had like one, one really solid year, one and a half, maybe. And they're crashing. I'm not saying they're crashing. Yeah, that, that, that's a little bit harsh. They're not continuing to build on it, which if I'm a Bills fan, that's what I'm concerned about. It's not that we have you'd have to worry only if they're crashing back down to earth. But if your team is not actively improving at the phase in which they should be improving, this is too early into your playoff window for you need to be you needing to be worried about you know patching up holes and and, and creating uh, uh, quick fixes for 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 roster problems or lack of player flexibility. This is very early in your window. Your team should be improving because they're getting better because they're young and they're growing into their roles and growing into the NFL. And this Bills team just ain't fucking doing that right now. No, not at all. And uh, I wish they would, because I don't want to see the Patriots win this division again. I've seen the Patriots win this division a whole lot. I hate watching the Patriots win this division. It's very fucking annoying watching the Patriots win this division. Suck a dick, Buffalo. Get better. The only reason I'm rooting for you is to not have the Patriots win the division, and you're fucking that up. Yeah. God, that's, that's annoying. Yeah, it really is. Also, the fact that Mac Jones is what the fifth QB taken in that class, fourth. Uh, f- sure. Doesn't matter. 
Uh, what do you think Mitchell Trubisky? Because I did not realize he was on Buffalo. What do you think his adjusted net air yards per pass attempt is this season? Sorry, adjusted Six. yards per pass attempt. There we go. I, I have no idea. 6.2. Negative 2.4. Uh, adjusted yards gained per pass attempt is uh, calculated as passing yards plus 20 times passing touchdowns minus 45 times interceptions divided by passes attempted. And Mr. Trubisky has 28 yards passing, no touchdowns and one interception. So that's, uh, that's a negative number. <laughs> oh, Mitch. Mitch, Mitch, Mitch. Mitchy, Mitchy, Mitch. Can't even wrap my head around that. No. Buddy. All right. Oh, God, that was a serious job. Yeah. Court and I are both starting to lose it. We've got holiday plans tomorrow for the big day. Again, if you're listening to this, it is Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving. Uh, let's uh, let's wrap it up here, big guy. Sound good to you? Yes, it does. All right. Well, if you want to follow the show, you can do so at Juicing Pod on Twitter. If you'd like to follow Corwin. On Twitter, you can do so at Corwin Heller. But to follow myself on Twitter, you can f- follow me at, at Joshua D. Trace. If you'd like to send emails to the show, you can do so at jo- uh, fucking nope, juicing the numbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, y'all have a good one. Y'all have a happy Thanksgiving.